Welcome back to Principles with Corey and Logan. Man, I'm excited for you guys to get the opportunity to hear our next guest. Uh, our next guest's name is John Robertson, and uh, I've got a bio that I'm going to read just real quick here about John. Uh, but we've got the opportunity to talk, I guess, probably for the first five or 10 minutes before we press record. And um, I can tell, John, that you're just filled with wisdom. There is a wisdom that comes out in, in our conversation that is just very profound. I'm, I'm really excited to talk leadership with you, uh, family, faith, wherever we end up going. But I'm Absolutely. Gonna, I'm looking. Yeah. I know it's going to be filled with wisdom. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. And thank you, because you and I both know that wisdom is a gift of the spirit. So I thank you for that acknowledgement of what I'm allowed to share. And some of it comes from school hard knocks and yeah don't do that <laughs> you know that's usually the best lessons to learn or best lessons that you have learned you just don't never uh you know it's not always fun to go through them right <laughs> well and i can't remember who it was but somebody once said the problem with life is it gives you the test first and then the lesson mm, yeah i like that yeah. See, see, I haven't even introduced him yet. You already got the wisdom. <laughs> that. Uh, so let, let me just tell you guys just a bit about John, and we're going to jump in. John is the founder and president of Fort Log Services, and he's built this service with a focus on encouragement-based approach. I like that, resolving root causes. And it's those root, those roots that we've got to get into as opposed to teaching uh, or treating crisis and transition in the workplace symptomatically. I think it's really, really good. And I think this is going to be good. He, he also provides spirit-filled, insightful guidance with the clients that he works with to help them amplify their lives, amplify their businesses. And he truly provides leadership people can follow through the storms. And I, I like the way you got that last sentence right there phrased um, in your bio there, John. Leadership people can follow through the storm. I think that's really important. So welcome to Principles with Corey and Logan. And uh, Thank you. John, tell us a little bit about your, your background and kind of how you've gotten to where you are now. Well, I actually went to university for football and life sciences pre-meds. And I realized, yeah, my knee got looked after. So that ruled out sports. But for medicine, for I realized, no, I'm not interested in always treating ill or sick or unhealthy or whatever you want. I want to grow healthy. And so long story short, I ended up actually starting out as a minister or a pastor or clergy or whatever you want to call that in a mainline denomination. And then out of that, I realized a lot of people need encouragement, that keyword again, but need encouragement to try things differently not have 20 people standing on the shore as I'm drowning saying swim harder thanks I wouldn't have thought of that and and I so the premise behind what I do is called run toward the roar and the premise is really simple animal instinct is fight flight freeze when the lion roars humans are the ones that we can take time to figure out where our passion lies and what our values are so that we can actually be passionately faithful to run toward the roar. Mm. And at, over the years, I realized a lot of, you know, parenting, workplace, marriage stuff, a lot of the people things is 
we don't take the time to define what success looks like. Mm -hmm. And I know you and I were chatting briefly, but it's that as a leader, how do I want people to describe me non-physically? And and to be fair, if the answer means I want people to like me, then we're destined to fail. (laughs) Can I trust you? Can I follow you? Can I respect you? Uh, do I know you're going to be there for me, rapport, whatever you want to call that stuff. Not, can we do Friday night pizza and wings? Yeah. Yeah. And so that's kind of the, now I wish you could say it was a straight line. (laughs) It was more like, okay, don't do that. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. And so we, I started doing consulting about 20, 25 years ago. When I realized, you know what, grow healthy rather than try and treat ill. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Uh, I just, uh, I do a weekly email um, on leadership and personal growth. I was working on it and I was reflecting back on some of the lessons I've learned over the course of entrepreneurship. And and really what you just said right there is one of the, the lessons that I wrote down is that, you know, I had a friend, he used to say, uh, be good at what you do, but great at who you are. It's that yes. game that is yeah. what you just said, being bigger on the inside than on the outside. And uh, it's such a powerful thing. Yeah. And, and what I call, and that's how I got started into my niche is around transforming that traditional crisis response. Because the crisis response is like a fulcrum on the teeter-totter. How we handle crisis tilts us towards unhealth or health. And I call those moments the hot water teabag moments. If we want to find out what's important to a person, a leader, an organization, put them in hot water. What's inside always leaks out. And that's why your comment about great on the inside is so essential because that's what's going to leak out through change or crisis or growth or whatever you want to call that different tomorrow stuff yeah man that's good and i love that you know you make it hot and you'll see what's on the inside and i remember learning that lesson too i you know i didn't have anybody like like yourself uh at that time to consult with or anybody i could ask questions to and i would ask people what they think and they say well you need to change your price uh maybe go up or make it go down you should try this marketing solution and come to find out those things aren't necessarily bad, but that's changed from the outside in whenever that inside 100%. is key. That's the foundation. Yeah. And, and I was just had this discussion this morning because I, I like working with what I call B-suite leaders. So you get the C-suite that say this needs to be done. Mm-hmm. You get the front line who are doing. Yeah. We get the B-suite who are kind of the whipping boy, whipping girl in the middle that when things don't work, Everybody shoots at them. Mm-hmm. And, but that's where the art of real leadership happens. Anyways, he and I were chatting today because he's in that role and he's realizing that, yeah, this isn't the walk and the talk are not matching and it's cooking his battery. Mm-hmm. Like it's literally, he's at the point of, okay, I don't know if I can do Monday morning. And you know what, when you got to be, I don't remember what he has, say 20 years of experience, but when you get to some of the school of wisdom, hard knocks, maturity, you realize pushing ropes is just not worth the effort. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. <clears throat> and and so for you and I, that's where, yeah, it's look at buying a vehicle. Most of us have bought a vehicle once on price. After that, it's always service that sells. Mm -hmm. So if a vehicle has a new marketing strategy, a new pop-up dash or whatever they call that, um, you know, the, the screen stuff is right above the dashboard. So you don't have to look down, but anyways, it has all those bells and whistles. If I have to take it to that shop and deal with that, I'm not going to buy that vehicle. I'm going to go with a different one because I don't want a headache when I need service. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 100%. And, and what you just perfectly described is who are those people who are willing to invest in you even when sometimes there's no ROI for them? Yeah. That's really good. And, and that leads me into something we were talking about before we come on. I, I would love for you to share. You're talking about who's in your huddle, who's mm. in the huddle. And, and uh, I, I would love for you to talk a little bit about that because I didn't press record until after that. But that was such a very good, I thought, a beautiful vignette right there that's so key for leaders as well. So can you talk a little bit about who's in your huddle? Who's in the Absolutely. Huddle? But I'm going to add a lighthearted moment because I don't know if the story is true or not. But I think it's a great visual. Years ago, college, you American colleges were playing football. And there was one team that had a <clears throat> deaf quarterback. And or mute, I can't remember what it was, but anyways, they would get up to the play, and everybody knew what the play was going to be because the quarterback couldn't call it adjust at the line. So the defense was always wiping them out when it became after the videos. So what the coach did is, okay, let's everybody bring back from the line and form in a circle. And that's where the quarterback will call the play. And then they went back up to the line, knowing the play and the count that the ball was going to be snapped on. So the defense didn't know what the play was going to be. And, and the huddle is based on a very same principle, leadership huddle. Who are the people huddling together to say what's working for them, what's not working for them, while the rest of the world sees our bumps? Because we don't need the feedback from the rest of the world. We need the feedback from the people who are on the field doing life and trying to move things in the same direction. Now, what growth would mean for Mr. Lee, what growth would lead for mean for Mr. or Mrs. Jones, et cetera, et cetera, is entirely different. But we're all focused on growing forward. Mm -hmm. And so when a huddle is anchored around values, it allows us to say, well, why would that matter for you, Corey? Why is that important for you? And that one question, go back to your comment about marketing. Instead of Corey getting caught up or John getting caught up buying the new latest, greatest widget of marketing tactics, I'm in a huddle with people who are moving the ball down the field in their way, who are willing and caring and courageous enough as co-leaders to say, got to ask you, John, why are you looking at that? And, and then I get a safe place to share my thoughts 
where even sometimes when in the huddle, people will laugh and say, I got to say, that's probably one of the dumbest ideas I've ever heard you come up with. But because they're in my huddle, I can laugh with them instead of it being one of the experts in the stands saying what play I should run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, that, that is, that is really good. And as I was listening to that, it kind of, kind of came to me a lot of times work with leaders and teams talk about the, the importance of being a united team and what unity actually means. It doesn't necessarily mean we agree on everything. Kind of like what you're saying with the, yep. uh, <laughs> hey, that wasn't yep. a great idea, but when we walk out of the room, we're united on the decision that was made. And one of the things is, is we have to start helping people understand unity must never mean uniformity because mm-hmm. that would be like having, I'll stay with football, but that would be like having all 12 people playing tight end. Well, I don't need to be a superb coach, football coach, but I can tell you if everybody's playing tight end, we're not going to advance even beyond this game. Yeah. And, and so therefore, how do I establish rapport and a relationship with somebody who is not like me? Mm-hmm. That only happens through passion and values. There's no other way. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I, you know, I, I know you coach as well. Um, and I, I have found getting people to get clear on where they're going, those values and the vision. It's one of the hardest things is one of the first steps. Yep. Uh, knowing where you want to go and casting that vision, making that, getting that vision clear, your values clear, and casting that, and letting people know what our values and visions are, that allows people to align or misalign. John Maxwell talks about uh, vision is not the great uniter, but it's the great separator. And what you want yep. are people who are united towards your vision. Not Absolutely. Yep. And that's where a uh, good to great author, Jim Collins, talks about you got to get the right people on the bus. Yeah. And, and I love his wording and I use it all the time. Great organizations are where places where people fit and flourish or they get expunged like a virus. Mm. And if we don't know as you've just shared, if we don't know what our vision is, what our focus is in North America, what our end zone is, we can't unify. Yeah. And, and that's, and you're bang on because that's the hardest part. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. A lot easier to react. It is, right? <laughs> yeah, in the moment, easier to react. Costly in the long run, though. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, John, you, you mentioned um, some of the uh, figuring out some of the crises that I was curious. I know you're in a lot of businesses. You do a lot of awesome things within companies, uh, within organizations with those. I like how you said the B suite. That's good. Yes. I like that. Yeah. Um, well, what are, what are some kind of, are you seeing a common theme of crisis that some of these companies are going through or, or maybe some that stand out to you that, that I don't know, that are just piquing your interest? Uh, two things, and I'm actually tired of hearing about COVID and the storm that that's brought. But the advantage of COVID is it has fast tracked the whole transformation discussion in the workplace. Mm. 
because many of us in the workplace have said, will this matter in 10 years? And for the first time, I'm going to say in probably a generation or two, there have been challenges that are in my backyard, not somebody else's to deal with. And what that's doing is, so the term that's being thrown around right now is the great resignation, but it's not a resignation. People are choosing values to say, is my paycheck or pension or benefits or whatever, is it worth putting up with this, whatever the this is? That's the advantage of those hot water teabag moments. Mm-hmm. And, and so therefore, how do you engage those people that are more paycheck players? And what I mean by a paycheck players is they do their nine to five, but there's nothing extra. And even sometimes when they are there, the term is called presenteeism, but it, when they are there, they're not there. Yeah. And, and so what's happening is for the first time, I'm going to say in two generations, it might be more, the leadership model that we have tolerated for years is not going to work going forward. Mm. And I don't know, uh, but young people, you know, but I know the young people that are in our kids age group, they're actually saying, is this really what I want to do? Yeah. Is this really? So for example, I know a, a young man, he's an arborist and we just had a really bad storm go through, not quite tornado, but high, high winds. And so trees down all over the place. They were working 10, 11 hour days in on the weekends and their normal shift is, I think it's eight and a half hours they were just informed that they're going to move their workplace to 10 hour days. Most of the people he works with are young fathers. Mm -hmm. If, if leaders think that that is going to create buy-in, they are seriously mistaken. I would say they are smoking for more than medicinal purposes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Man, that is that is really good. I don't know if I've ever heard it worded that way, but you're spot on right there. I love what you said. It is fast track the transformation conversations in the workplace, and it, you're seeing it 100. That the old model of leadership of is is not going to continue to carry on. And I, I know I've talked to several, and I hear it. You know, you see it on social media uh, talking about all the things of we're low staffed and all of that. And at some point we're going to have to change the way we're doing things, right? Absolutely. And also that's going to force a discussion about so many things. When money is good, we don't have to be financially wise or prudent. Yeah. When times are less than good, we're going to have to have a discussion around, okay, if I've got $100 a week to spend on this, is this the best I can get for that $100? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, five years, 10 years ago, 2008 was an exception, but we didn't have to have a lot of those values-based discussion to say, so for example, you know, Corey, when you and your family go away for holidays, why do you go to the place you do? 
you know, and what's the definition of success? And I'm not asking you to answer the questions. I don't want to throw you under the bus that way. But, but what's happening is if you're going to drop X number of dollars to invest in your, your family, then you want to make sure it's a wise investment. That same principle now applies to work. And we invest time, talent, and treasures. 100%. Yeah. So I would be curious to ask as well, um, your previous life was in, in, in the church lane. It was. And, and I don't know what, what's it like, what it's like in Canada, uh, but I am seeing a huge kind of shift there as well in the word transformation as as well those conversations I, th I think that applies into the into the faith lane as well I, I just um it, I was just curious to know your, your thoughts on the leadership model do you see a changing in the faith lane as well or I, I don't know what are you seeing there okay two things U.S. has always had a religious undertone now that is hugely being tested now mm -hmm. Canada is far more secular. And when I say ahead on that secular, I don't mean that as a positive ahead. I just mean more secular ahead. <clears throat> What's happening is churches, when times are good, people can do church. So therefore we go in, whatever the expression of faith is, we go in Saturday or Saturday evening or sometimes Sunday and do the hip hip hooray God and do our thing. And then we go live the other six and a half days of the week like normal. What's happening now is we're actually going back to what I would say are New Testament times. It's not that people are for or against Jesus. I would say majority of people have no idea who he is, but they don't want to join a club that requires an every Sunday or Saturday commitment in the same way that service clubs right now are having a huge struggle with membership. So what is churchianity struggling with? Membership issues. And we have forgotten in North America that Jesus did never invited anybody to grow the church. Because if that's the case, based on our current model, Jesus dropped the ball. And because what he should have done was send the 12 to two years at synagogue college so that when they graduate, they know how to be a proper church leader. <laughs> Instead, he invited 12 guys on a three-year camping trip. What is leadership? Hang out with the people, get to know one another, have a vision, have a focus, align the values so that when leader needs to step away for a while, people still know what their focus is, what their values are, and they can still keep walking it out. And I would propose that what's happening in many of our North American cultures, the Sunday, Sunday morning entertainment theme of churchianity isn't holding water for the stuff that people are really dealing with. 
Yeah. You know, Corey, what are you going to do if your if your wife works at whatever? Uh, let me give you a real time scenario. So, uh, a wife, a woman, she they're married and they have kids, but she works in a school office. So she's on the receiving end of all the calls, complaints, stuff that goes on. Hearing about her eternal destination on a Sunday morning may not help with how to deal with that stone in the shoe when they're on the phone. Hmm. And a lot of people that I'm hearing, and I'll, I would propose you are probably too, are saying, I want faith, but I don't want to be religious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, honestly, I remember years and years, I'm going to say about 32, three years ago, Blake Lorenz was his name. Blake had a stroke and he was one of your textbook fix anything, anywhere, anytime type people. Never went to university, college, never did any of that post-secondary stuff. But man, that guy was smart and gifted. And he had a stroke. And he lost part of his speech and physical movement. And through broken speech post-stroke, Blake said to his wife, I don't know how they do it. And Joyce responded with, I don't know how they do what, what do you mean? And again, through broken, chopped up speech, she said, I don't know how they do life without faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I don't know, just curious, are you finding, noticing that same pattern of what's always worked may not work going forward? Yeah, absolutely. I see. And, you know, I like what you said that you're going back to a New Testament model there. Jesus came to empower, to equip and empower. And I think about in leadership, when, when we teach leadership, I'm, I'm jumping over into the leadership lane, but we talk about how when as leaders, we equip and empower, there's an empowering process. And that's, I do it. And yep. you see all throughout the gospels that Jesus Christ healed the sick, raised the dead, cast out demons. He preached the kingdom and, you know, uh, yep. he did all the things. Right. And then it's, I do it. You watch me. Yep. So you, you get up close and personal and, and you are a witness to what I'm doing, but it's not uh, for me just to tell you I'm teaching you. So you gain understanding. I'm trying to teach you how to think, not just what to think. And I, I immediately think back to, when Jesus is feeding the 5,000, he looks at Thomas and he says, um, uh, how, how are we going to feed these folks? Yeah. But, but in scripture, the very next line says, he already knew what he was going to do. Yeah, so yeah. as a leader, why do you ask a question when you already know the answer? Is because you're trying to teach people how to think. He was trying to teach Absolutely. how to think from a kingdom perspective to offer kingdom solutions to earthly perspective. And then it's you know, you do it. I watch you. I kind of hand you off the ball and you go give yep. it a test run. And you see in the gospels where he called the 12 and then the 70 and empowered them to heal the sick, cast out demons and, and preach the gospel too. And then, then it's, uh, you do it. I empower yep. you. And right before he ascended, he says that uh, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, go therefore. Right. And yep. uh, I didn't mean to get into preaching here. I'm not a preacher. Yeah, <laughs> I know, buddy, you're doing a good job. So, so keep but, it's no, all know, good. It, he says he but, hands it off. And uh, then the last one is we're, we're in leadership lane. Most people stop at is handing off. 
But there's a fifth and final step that's just as important, and that's you do it, somebody else watches you. Yeah. There's this continual equipping down, and you know, and Ephesians 4 talks about equipping up the saints to go out into the church. So to answer your question you asked me, I, I definitely see this transition of, you, you mentioned um, people really looking at their time, where they're spending their time at. And I think the church on Sunday or Saturday or however you say it has become more of a club to some people in, in their minds, right? As a club. And it's, I don't know if I want to hang out with a club, you know? And, and the irony is like, we were just tired chatting about this with our kids on the weekend and their twenties. And what is it you miss about not being part of a regular fellowship? And the only thing that really stood out was I enjoy the messages online, yada, yada, yada. I miss the music and the singing. And if you look at what made the New Testament church take off, it was apostles teaching, fellowship, prayer, breaking of bread and service evangelism. Mm -hmm. And, and that comes back to two key questions. How does one evaluate when we are not clear on what our values are? Mm. Second, how does one encourage when what we're doing does not take courage? Ooh, that's good. Say that one more time. I like that. that so good. the prefix en means to instill. Yeah. And so therefore to encourage means to instill courage. So how does one do something? Uh, sorry, how does one do the encouraging when they're doing something that doesn't take courage? Let me make this less theoretical, more practical. We had one son that <clears throat> greeted me and we have that core value of truth in our home where sometimes it stings or smarts, but they name it. Anyways, he said to me, he said, you know, dad, I'm not feeling really encouraged by you. Okay. Walk me through. What am I doing or what am I not doing? So he walked me through what he was thinking or feeling. And, and I said, so just curious, does what you're doing take courage? Well, what do you mean? Well, to encourage means to instill courage. So therefore for me to encourage you, which you said I'm not doing, it requires you to be doing things that take courage. Are you doing things that take courage? Well, no, not really. And I said, well, I can praise you, but I can't encourage you because praising is just, you're wonderful. You can be anything you want to be kind of stuff, but I can't encourage you. And his response was, okay, was mom there? And, and so it was kind of one of those <clears throat> So as a leader, who are you encouraging? Reminding them that, you know what, even if this blows up, we will have learned something. Better to try something and have it not work than to try nothing in success. Mm -hmm. I read a great line, and I'm just memorizing it, so I still have it written down. Tim Kite, K-I-G-H-T, made the comment, the pursuit of mediocrity is rarely intentional, but always successful. Mm. Yeah, that's good. 
And, and so as a leader, we have to be the ones who are willing to be called out, evaluated on what we say. But that's the advantage of the model you just walked through, Corey. When we were talking, when you were talking about I do, you watch, we do, you do, I watch, and so forth. Because we get called out. Mm. You know, and look at the best place to for people to meet us. How many people do we have at our dinner tables anymore? Mm. You want to meet the real people? Have a meal with them. Yeah. We go to a restaurant because that's nice and polished and most, you know, we know how to behave in a public forum, but have it at the supper table, yeah. dinner table. Yeah, that's good. And and what I'm just recapping, re revisiting is that huddle. Who are the people in our huddles that are willing to say, can you help me do that? I think I can do that. I don't know if I can do that. Yeah, that is so good. I like that. I really like the encourage, right? It's, it's, really, it's really got me thinking there. How many times do people say they won't encourage you, but really they just want you to make them feel good, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Then, how many times have I thought like that? But then how many times have I actually, with encouragement actually really just tried to make people feel good right that, yeah. that was really really good I, I really like that that was really good yeah and and to be fair if it was easy everybody would be doing it right yeah 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 i like that um i have one other question i have for you there john and and it kind of goes back to we were talking about the uh transformation conversations in the workplace yeah. and, all, and um <laughs> Any, any thoughts? Maybe somebody's listening and was like, man, I'm finding myself in that spot right now. Do you guys have any solutions? Is there one thing that maybe I could do to start making that transition right now? And um, any thoughts on that? Maybe where the shift lies for leaders? The simplest way is, and it's honestly, it's a chicken and the egg. Doesn't matter which question we start with, is how do we want people to describe us? non-physically but the second part or the other side of that same coin is what uh, what is it about success for me what does success mean how do i want success to be described to define for me basically since none of us are getting out of this alive go back and i would love to steal your analogy but as that next leader is mentoring the next leader. How do we want them to describe our success? Because mm. really her, I know the bumper sticker says the one with the most toys wins, but the fact is hearses don't have luggage racks. So most of what people win well, dark humor, hang out with a funeral home director. Where there's a will, there's relatives. And, and what's happening is, what's our definition of success? Yeah. Because I want to just point this back to a, a sports example. If we are competing in a sport that we love, 
and we get a Charlie horse, whatever that means. Most, many of us have had a physical Charlie horse and we've all had that coach that says, skate it off, walk it off. You're fine. It doesn't hurt. Flipping right. It hurts. But when life gives us a Charlie horse as entrepreneurs, it could be relationship Charlie horse. It could be psychological Charlie horse and starting out in business and Corey, I'm probably true for you. You've done work with people and you end up a mile down the road, whatever that is. And you get that moral Charlie horse, you know, that moment when, yeah, we're not on the same page. Yeah. So how are we going to deal with those Charlie horses? Why that matters. If I'm playing a game I love and get a Charlie horse, I will find a way to get back in the game. Mm -hmm. If I am playing a game I don't enjoy, any Charlie horse will take me out. So for those who are starting out, make it really, really simple. What does success mean for you? And how do we want people to define us in a non-physical way? Mm. And, you know, one of the things most of us have learned is we initially start out thinking, I want people to like me. (laughs) We realize we're not very far in the game before we realize, yeah, that's not going to happen. And so just to show you how close that stuff is to the surface, Corey, I am going to throw you under the bus. What are some of the words that you would use? And I'm not asking you for a fully thought out answer. How would you like people to describe you non-physically? Yeah. Yeah. I've been thinking about that since you, you that <laughs> I'm the one that asked the question. I, I know the story <laughs> of my life. I'm gifted I'm at annoying. <laughs> You know, that's what us coaches do. We like to, we like to throw other people to be the one asking questions. And, um, you know, I I think, um, I I don't know the words to put in. There's more of an essence to it. The way I would love to be described as somebody who, um, you know, gets things done, but always is always present as well with um, family and friends. Whenever I'm there, I'm there. Uh, okay. But also that one that sees things that needs to get done and willing to step up and step up to the plate and give it a go, right? So uh, <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot other ones. But as as we talked about that before, we pressed the record. But I've been thinking on that some. So uh, and and what is leadership, right? Yeah, I'll go right back to this wise man that I heard not that long ago. It's helping people to think about their thinking. Mm. And so, you know, what does it mean to step up to the plate? Mm -hmm. What does it mean to see the need? And just keep expanding on some of those because then what happens is it won't be a physical description. It won't be, I want people to know that John made a difference in my life. No, I want people to know what I just did to you. I want people to know that John is willing to come out of thin air and ask that question that talks about what is the expression, the elephant in the room. Yeah. Why? Because at the end of the day, I want you to have thought about your thinking Mm -hmm. so that the people in your sphere of influence automatically benefit. Yeah. 
you know, uh, there was a story years and years told, and there was a language barrier between the two. He got to live in the community. The grandmother didn't speak English and he didn't speak her dialect her tongue at the end of the summer when he was leaving because they spent a lot of time together she grabbed him on either cheek and right in front of him she said i like me best when i'm with you Mm. and how do we want people to describe us non-physically and none of us are getting out of it alive so what's our definition of success Mm-hmm. And can I just illustrate with a little story? Yeah, come on, let's go. So <clears throat> some kids were playing in high school sports and they were talking about one said, oh, well, my mom is a chief surgeon at XYZ hospital. And another one was saying, oh, wow, my, my dad is a lawyer in XYZ state court level of court. And so they all going around bragging about all the different things their parents were doing. And the little boy standing there and said, well, you're not saying anything. You not parents not do very well. Well, yeah. Well, my parents are here. Hmm. And I can go right back to an expression my grandmother taught me a hundred years ago, not literally, but a hundred years ago. And she said, don't ever forget, John, busy is an acronym for buried under Satan's yoke. That's good. Busy does not mean important. And Corey, I'm going to pick up on a word that you shared and don't worry, I'm not going to throw you under the bus, but I'm going to pick up on a, (laughs) yeah, is the, is you use the term presence and it's vital today that we spell that out because we live in a world of presence and people need presence. We live in a world of P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S and what people need are P-S-E-N-C-E. I'm here, not look at what I bought you. Yeah. What's, what's leadership? And, and you've got this. You have a presence about you. You have an amazing, the old term is called charisma. Your smile and your spirit is, and I'm not blowing sunshine, but you have that. It's a natural allure. And so, therefore, honor that presence, E-N-C-E. Mm-hmm. Because that's the rapport that will allow people to let you help them step up to the plate to get the things that need to be done. Yeah. Because Corey is present with me. And due to his presence, I can try something that I didn't think I could do. Yeah, that is so good. Man, those two questions, I think, are so key. And what you said, you said it multiple times. How do you want to be described non physically and I, I, I truly you challenged me to really think into that I'm going to and I want to challenge our listeners there as well to nope. seriously li- think into that I don't think that's a um, I don't think that's one of those 60 second kind of <laughs> no it's not into, right? it's, it's no. something that you really need to dive into and the other thing that kind of perspective that that I was thinking there too when we were talking about um, you know what was something that that leaders can do now I think 
maybe maybe knowing the answer to that question for the people you lead as well like how do they what how do they define success in their lives and how do they want to be described as well and now you know what they value uh personally right they come alongside of us on our values for what we're doing company-wide but what are their personal values too so that's what i was thinking into too and and the other thing that makes leadership far more not easy but a simple but not easy is when I know what your definition of non-physical description, I can encourage you. Mm. What is leadership? How much are we willing to encourage people? And when you have taught me what success means for you, how you want to be described in a non-physical way, I get to encourage you because I don't have to figure it out. You've taught me. Yeah. And I can instill courage, not just make you feel good. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's awesome. John, you've added a tremendous value. I've really enjoyed it, man. It feels like the time has just gone by like that. Sure has. I want to honor your time. But, um, you know, say somebody's listening in and there's like, man, I really connect with John. I would love to reach out to him. Maybe he can work with me, maybe work with my team or or find out what, what kind of services you provide where would be the best place for them to go to find out more about you, John? Because I don't believe in a one size fits all, I'd like to make it really simple. So the Fort Log is the work I do, F-O-R-T-L-O-G. So Fort, safe place in the frontier, you got to have an end zone, got to know where you're going. A log is a journal to sail the seas because there's no point going there alone. Mm. .co, because I work with you, I'm not a .com or a .org, we collaborate with colleagues. And then the simplest way, fortlog.co forward slash principles. Gotcha. Got it. And make it so there's run toward the roar dot online. There's fortlog.co, but there's another things. But rather than spending so much time trying to filter through stuff, I'd actually just love if people would reach out and say, hey, can I have a half an hour, one hour call with you, conversation with you? and pick your brain. So fortlog.co forward slash principles is the easiest way to book a time. Awesome. Well, guys, feel free to reach out to John. And also, if he said anything in this uh, video and, and podcast that has impacted you, we'd love to hear about it. Just make a comment. Maybe you can Absolutely. reach out to me and I will share that with John, pass that along to him to encourage Jeez. him. Yeah, absolutely. With courage, maybe even make him feel good. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. No harm to that, buddy. No harm to that at all. Awesome. Well, John, we appreciate your time. And we want to say thank you guys for taking a listen. We do. John and I both. Yes, very much. Maybe you've got something that you can take to apply to grow yourself, to grow your team, and to make an impact in the community that you've been called to. I want to say thank you. Make sure you like, subscribe, review, all of that kind of awesome things so you can okay. stay up to date on uh, next episodes of Principles with Corey and Logan. We just want to say thank you guys. Have a great day, and God bless.